So, my name is Sisombalela. Welcome to my podcast. Today, I just want to talk about Zambia's debt. There's a lot of misconception, a lot of myths out there, and a lot of theories why we get into debt. Some of it is blamed on the international big banks like the World Bank, International Monetary Fund, and then some of it is blamed on our own doing, which is the politicians. So I just want to offer my own perspective and based on what I understand in terms of the roles of the international uh, monetary funds, but also um, in terms of the appetite for the Zambian politicians to amass a lot of debt. And this is not to blame anybody, but to simply use this as an uh, opportunity for education and also for engaging this very controversial uh, subject. So setting the context, I just want to say Zambia has been actually partnering with the World Bank since 1965. So as of today, you can say for 65 years old we have been uh, actually working with the world bank all right uh, you may understand also that the world bank was set up specifically to assist and provide financing to developing nations uh, in terms of uh, you know um, building up infrastructure um, you know revamping the energy system uh, the healthcare system and or education system and all those things. So the World Bank has been providing Zambia with assistance since 1965. In fact, you may want to know that one of the most notable projects that the World Bank has financed in Zambia is the Kariba Dam to provide electricity to Zambians, all right? So uh, that's just one side of the story. The other partners that have continued to work with Zambia in terms of uh, financing our projects is the Africa Development Bank, the United, uh, the, the European Union, UN agencies, the Germany uh, government, the British government, Sweden, Dutch, uh, United States, and the rest of the uh, mostly Western nations. So the whole idea uh, of financing is that you get loans from these countries and then you use those loans to actually invest invest in your economy, thus being able to provide jobs, being able to stand on your own. At least that's the theory. The problem though is that historically, when you look at the uh, the behavior of the World Bank and also the International Monetary Fund, they promote liberal economic uh, policies. What that means is they tell you to win off the poor people. Think about it. We were under the colonial rule. 
The British did not leave money for Zambia. The British did not pay back the money that they stole from Zambia. We started from zero in 1964 on our own, right? So therefore you are expecting a people that have been colonized uh, from 1899 when the British actually got into Zambia and then you are telling them that they don't have to depend on the government. So you are creating a recipe for disaster and for failure. So what you've noticed that, at least from the history of the World Bank, the International Monetary Fund, is that they've been giving money to Zambia and even other um, African countries, sometimes under dictators who did not care about democracy, sometimes and a lot of time with politicians who are very corrupt so the money does not trickle down to the projects in which it's intended so you acquire the debt in the name of um, developing the nation but actually that money end up in the pockets of the politicians because it's debt that is contracted legally you are obligated to pay back that debt but what happens is because these loans are so unsustainable, they weaken actually the, the capacity for the state to pay back the money. And then these loans that come from the World Bank, IMF, they come with conditions. If you do not pay because they are the ones who are giving you the money, they tell you how to open up the economy to the Western investors because you have defaulted on these loans. So those, I think, in my view, have contributed to be where we are in as far as, think about, in 1980, we were in debt. And again, during that time, Kaunda was in power. So one of the conditions was in order for us to acquire new debt, they had to do what they had to force Zambia to give up some of the parastatos because they thought those were actually uh, eating most of our money and then they were not uh, being used for uh, resurfacing the debt. So that's what started the snowball effect, right? 1980. Now, think about it. So in 1980 also, you have the prices of copper going down and the prices of oil going up. So Zambia was spending more money buying oil than it was getting the revenue from its copper. That has always been our disaster and our recipe for failure is that we have heavily depended on copper. And when the prices of copper go down, we continue importing oil because we don't have the oil. And therefore, we continue spending more money importing the oil and getting less revenue from copper. In my view, what we should have done in 1965 is to invest in agriculture. Think about it this way. Zambia is surrounded by so many uh, neighboring countries. When I went to school, we were taught that Zambia was a landlocked country. When you talk about a landlocked, it's like you're talking about the Dead Sea. No economics comes in, no economics goes out. Nowadays, when you talk about Zambia, we don't talk about it as a landlocked country. We talk about it as an interlinked country. 
Why? Because economically, when you are interlinked with your neighbors, you have an opportunity to trade with them. You have an opportunity to receive goods from them and ship goods from them. That should have been the model that we should have capitalized on. All right. Now, back to the debt thing. What happens is because we have had politicians who are corrupt, they have contracted debts in the name of improving Zambia. Think about it. From 1965, we have been getting loans from the World Bank. We've been getting assistance from the European partners. We have continued to receive so much money, but think about the most remotest rural areas in Zambia. You don't even have schools with running toilet. We have misappropriated the funds that we have contracted in the name of debt. So this is the reason why I do not entirely blame the Western banks that give us the money, because here's why. At one point, China was a poor country like Zambia, but China woke up. They lent the system of the World Bank. And what China did was they invested that money. They lent the system of the U.S. They sent their students to the United States. Those students came back. They were given prominent jobs, good paying salaries in order to entice them to stay and work in China. And they improved China. Today, China is one of the second largest uh, developed nation economy in the world, but they still continue to borrow from the World Bank. Why? It's because it's cheaper money. They borrow from the World Bank, then some of that money they give it, they lend it to Africa on a very high interest rate. It's legitimate. It's called banking. There is no free money. The reason why you charge interest is because if I am giving you a loan, I should charge you interest or else I'm giving up that money from investing into other things. So the the opportunity, uh, the economic opportunity cost of me investing into something, giving you the money, I have to charge you. That's how the banking works. We understand this. We know this. But I do think that personally... When it comes to Zambia, we are our own worst enemies. We have not taken much time to understand how the banking system works. We have heavily invested in a democracy that has not produced anything. We are bickering about. We have an insatiable um, appetite for elections. We spend more money on the ballot then we spend more money educating ourselves understanding the the money system of the world how it operates we are our own worst enemy we cannot continue blaming the world bank we cannot continue blaming the western partners because think about it in 2005 most of you may not know this the western countries they actually forgave us debt, four billion debt. They forgave us. We started with zero. The only people that did not forgive us are those private funders that gave us the money. But the rest of these big corporations, they gave us a break. That should have been a time for us 
to break through and run with that. But here we are. This is 2020. We are talking about 12 billion debt. Ask yourself, where did that money go? On the roads? What roads can you build for 12 billion? You ask yourself this, uh, this question. So we may want to paint a black uh, paint and try to say that the uh, World Bank, the IMF, the Western partners are that evil. I understand that. They have not done us any good. But come on, these people have continued to give us a lot of donations. Even in 25, when they forgave us the debt, they gave us the, uh, the anti-retrieval uh, drugs for free. We can't even afford those things. So you cannot continue blaming the white people. You cannot continue blaming the World Bank. It's like, think about it this way. You are 40 years old and you're blaming your parents for not sending you to school or for not providing for you, but you are 40 years old. At some point, that's an old story. You have to take responsibility of your own actions. The moment you are 18 years old or 21 years old, you are grown enough to be able to handle your own life. That's basically, I think, what I think for myself. So this whole story of blaming the debt on white people or blaming the debt on the World Bank, yeah, there's some things we can blame them on, but also there are a lot of things we can blame ourselves. Why? We continue going to seek for debt, knowing very well the consequences of not paying debt. Take the white people out of the equation. How many people do you know in your personal life? Their parents have left them a house, a farm. They lose it because they go and get a debt from a bank and the bank repossesses those farms. Those stories are there in Zambia. So we shouldn't entirely blame the outsiders for the debt that we have. No, we should blame ourselves. In fact, actually, we should just blame the whole continent of Africa. Why? Because think about it this way. We, we should work very hard, in my view, to make it possible for Zambian farmers to sell their products in the Congo, the market is already there. We should make it so hard for Zambian farmers to sell their products in South Africa. So why is it that the, the, the food industry, the Boniers, all these franchises that you have in Zambia, their food product have to come from South Africa and not from Zambia? How is that promoting a Zambian farmers to actually uh, uh, empower themselves and make a revenue for their families. There's no incentive in it. So some of it is we just have to blame ourselves. We have bad policies and we have bad leadership that don't negotiate these things in good faith on behalf of the Zambians. The other thing I may say is the colonial mentality. You have a Zambian educated accountant in Zambia but they to go to Zimbabwe, they have to start all over again because the Zimbabwean system is different from Zambia. Hey or no, but we were we all were colonized by the British. So why shouldn't the Zambian education be the same thing as the Zimbabwean education or the Malawian education? After all, we fall under the Commonwealth. Those I think for me are the obstacles to the trade barriers. 
we need to trade with our neighboring countries we need to it's more cheaper for zambia to trade with congo than for zambia to export its stuff outside of africa it's so 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 much expensive so in my view i'm just saying is comprehensively this issue of the debt is very complicated however to just make it simple you cannot blame the world bank for the debt that we have these institutions you can go and ask them for money or you may not they don't force us they don't put a gun on our head and ask us to go and borrow the money after all we have more resources in zambia or in africa in general than we have the the world bank the world bank rely on repossessing our natural resources recapitalize them and then again turn around and give us that money in form of debt so we understand this game why we continue to play it i don't understand to me i can only attribute it to colonialism so that's my contribution on this subject and especially as we go into the elections we cannot continue outsourcing the blame outside of zambia we have to look internally we have experimented with debt for so long 1980 zambia was in debt by the time the mmd were coming there was no money in the coffers why because kaunda and the unip as much as they did very good things to unite the country they wasted those opportunities um on developing and expanding the party instead of a kind of diversifying the economic sectors in the country we are doing the same thing look what's going on under mmd we are wasting more money printing the chitenges giving out the bicycles all that money is money that could have gone into developing zambia but we are wasting that money what on elections so we have done this on our own selves in my view so there's no one to blame but ourselves yes the world bank has its own shares we can blame them but a lot of it is just we willfully choose to be negligent and not invest in ourselves so that we can be self-sustaining as a nation that's my contribution until next time